All right. Good morning, Teach Better Family. I am with the fantastic and marvelous Katie Miglin this morning as we are going to do our Administrator Mastermind recap. We are in the month of October. October, I can't speak. And <laughs> we're close to Halloween and talking about student behavior. So with that, I tried to have as always, I know Katie had some doubts this morning. I was a little offended by her question of, is this a fun question to start things off? But Katie, I'm going to read this off and let you kind of respond to what the group was discussing here. But my fun, extra fun question this morning was, imagine going up and you have a class swap card that allows you to exchange your least favorite class growing up with your favorite class at any time you want, which I wish I had growing up. Mm -hmm. Whose class would you swap out and whose class would you swap into? And it was pretty interesting, the responses. So, Katie, what, what did you learn about our admin mastermind crew? Well, it was a pretty big variety of answers, which I didn't totally expect because we do find that sometimes there's like educators are like minded. Um, but there were, you know, a few answers that people who would swap out chemistry, math, or something like that for an elective course, band, orchestra, art, um, which makes sense, right? We talked about a lot of those classes are more hands-on, they're more engaging, so that made sense. Um, but it was like, there was just kind of a mix of some people preferred the English classes, some people preferred science classes or social studies classes. A lot of us kind of laid like on the, the class that we remember positive things about a teacher, which I, you know, is, was the point I think of why you asked it, but kind of what teachers set, you know, a good environment or made it more engaging, things like that. So yes, I will admit I maybe questioned the fun factor, but it was kind of fun to think through like, oh, if I went to this class, what could I have swapped it out for? So um, good job, Josh, way to start off on a good note. Well, you kind of, called me out a little bit about my intentions. Yes, that's exactly why I asked the question was because I wanted folks to remember as a student, you know, for the student, for the classes, your, your, your physics, your science yep. classes. Uh, I think the funniest one was the, the smell of frogs, you know, before you have to dissect them and how that, you know, administrators said that, you know, they would go anywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> other than that class uh, specifically for that lesson. But uh, just remembering like what your behavior was like with certain teachers or yeah. in certain subjects and how that may have gotten in the way of the success of your academics. And so, you know, the first question that kind of like bridged that concept was, you know, how do you differentiate between student misbehavior resulting from boredom or dis disinterest in the lesson and maybe an underlying deeper issue going on in their life, obviously, as administrators, we don't have a lot of time with students. And so we get called on the radio or through a phone or an email, whatnot, or text messages, like come save me, get this kid, you know, something's yeah. going on. And so you have to kind of rush up. And so we kind of talk through, you know, some of the ways an administrator can figure out what's going on with that student. So Katie, what were your takeaways from, you know, what's going on on our campuses? It was, I felt like pretty consistently people said, you know, looking at data, looking at trends, talking to PLCs, talking to other teachers, looking at the student in different settings to see, is this a, a specific situation? Is it constantly happening with one classroom or teacher? Or is it something that's happening consistently? Um, but one thing that then kind of spiraled was that idea of historical data and 
while we know that there is value in looking at how a student performs over time, but then it came a bigger topic of, but is it always um, good for the student for us to reflect on their history, especially if students have grown or if things have happened and changed. And so it did definitely kind of um, spiral into more, which I know we'll get into, but I did like the idea that it wasn't just, if it if it's something that's happening, it's not just like an isolation, right? It's, we have to look at the student's behavior over time, but then also looking at the teacher and the setting, because we know sometimes it is a teacher and there's, you know, like a relationship piece, but is there also a mix of students that doesn't work well, or is it something deeper with the content? Is the student struggle in a reading class or a class that you know, was deals with more numbers and math and kind of how can you decide the difference um, was it, it really just came down to like talking to colleagues and looking at that trend, which I thought was totally appropriate and made sense. Yeah. And through that, you know, the data conversation, it, it kind of pivoted to the PLC and tier one interventions with the RTI process. And so my next question was specifically based on what was being brought up as far as that historical data and some of the technology stuff. So I, I asked for those who have the PLC system or a tier one intervention committee, what are those teams doing to assist in student behavior, mm -hmm. specifically on strategies? Because Katie, as we know, as educators, as administrators, we can't do this work alone. Correct. We need to make sure that we're partnering with other folks on our campus. So Katie, what uh, was discussed in regards to PLCs and, and tier one interventions? Well, one of them that stood out, which we all kind of agreed was, phenomenal was a mental health like provider and being able to partner with counselors and office staff and to be able to provide that assistance immediately is huge. Um, but we also know that that's not necessarily a reality in all of our campuses and districts. So it's something that would is like kind of a goal, you know, it'd be great to like kind of a pie in the sky, but the reality is we don't always have that. But some, um, some administrators shared having just interventionists specifically tied to content areas. So a reading you know, interventionist or a math specialist or something so that they can look very specifically at a student through that content lens. And, you know, it was it was kind of interesting. A few people kind of shared how like that has been a has been a change. And so it has helped identify students over time and being able to provide them the assistance they need and give them the appropriate support. Um, when maybe 10 years ago, a student like that would have been just identified as like a struggling learner as kind of a blanket statement. So I do like that we are making gains as far as our support teams in our districts and how we are really looking at students through specific lens so that we can pinpoint exactly what the problem is versus just, you know, kind of that overarching support. Yeah, we don't need to just react <laughs> versus Correct. behavior. We need to make sure that we're digging in and getting all the information. And I, I think the it just came naturally. I didn't really ask this was just the fact that, you know, who has access to the data? Yeah. Is there a legal component to that? Do teachers need absolutely everything in the QM folder of a student? And kind of what's the negative mm -hmm. and the positive of getting information about a student prior to them even entering your class? So, Katie, will you share about, you know, maybe what was the highs and lows of, of possessing that data? Yeah, they, I don't know that we really landed on an answer. And I don't know that there is one, honestly, but there were definitely both sides shared. The one side being the data needs to be provided to teachers so that they can 
see that they, and it's not necessarily just like the, you know, like the grades and the behavior stuff. It's, it's a bigger, it's like, at what point do we share information with teachers so that they fully know their students to the best of their abilities? But then the other side was, is some of that needed? Is it being held against students? If you have a student who has grown a ton, are we holding some of that information against them thinking that's, that they're falling into that, that mold? You know, if they were a, a difficult third grader, it doesn't always mean they're going to be a difficult fourth grader. And so it's kind of navigating that, but also just lots of, there was lots of conversations about the legalities of it, of, you know, teachers not are not always trained or really kind of in the moment thinking about how they're typing things in to whether it's spreadsheets or online platforms or whatever. So it's, it was kind of the, the conversation really kind of lended itself to like, how do we navigate that as a building or as a district campus, whatever, so that teachers have the information they need so that they can make appropriate next steps and support students, you know, fully, but then also so that it's not gossipy or put in the wrong hands or done kind of um, unprofessionally. And it's really trying to figure out it's navigating it, but also trying to train our teachers of like what's appropriate, what's not. And so I think it, you know, the kind of the, the consensus was we've got to educate our teachers so that they know what to do with the information and then also how to report out the information, but also how to advocate for themselves as well as far as you have an issue with a student, who are the people you can go to to get that information? And so it really kind of comes down to looking at your building and deciding how that culture is already established, but then also providing the appropriate resources. And so I know there were several people who kind of talked through, like, what do they do in their building? How does a teacher advocate? You know, what happens at PLCs? All that good stuff. But I think it takes some reflection before you can take action. Yeah, I think... The conversation was mostly like no one taught us how to do this we had to kind of fumble around and figure this out as far as how much we give to our staff even the the transition meetings too you know a fifth grader going to do a sixth grade uh, or a middle school you know that information getting passed to you like what do you do with that information or the vice versa uh, an eighth grader going to high school and you have to give information to that school like what is it that's important for them to know without it becoming a a negative, a stigma, or, yep. you know, fill in the blank as to what might come of that in a negative way, um, where the kid is starting off kind of as negative versus mm -hmm. a clean slate and trying to make, you know, a, a name for themselves. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting conversation. And one, I think that hopefully will be expanded in our Facebook group. And I, I want to make mention of that. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> next week is Halloween. Katie, I know you're pretty excited about that. And yeah, so bring the costumes. I know. So we're going to have a lot of fun next week. So hopefully everyone will join for that. But also we're starting something new. So um, if you're already signed up with the Teach, uh, Teach Better Mastermind link, if you haven't done that, if you've landed on YouTube, and you're checking this out for the first time and you want to be a part of the conversation, go to teachbetter.com slash mastermind. We, we meet every Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. However, in addition to the link, the Zoom link that you'll get for the Tuesday morning meeting, you'll also get this link for Facebook. It's a private group specifically just for our admin, for our, our mastermind. And we're having conversations already in there to share out resources. If there's something that's going on that you want to collaborate with, you know, as far as the group that is there for you. But I'm also posting as far as topics that we want to discuss in the future. So Katie, this is something new that we're doing. So in the month of 
well, technically on Halloween, <laughs> we're starting this off. We're kicking off and we're just taking topics that people are suggesting in that Facebook group. And, you know, if you're not in the Facebook group and, and you want to comment here on YouTube, you can do that too. But I'm taking the Facebook group um, suggestions and we're going to build out some questions specifically for that to, to help the needs of our admin. And yeah, I want everyone to join that, get in the conversation, and hopefully it's something that we're getting support throughout the week, not just on Tuesday mornings. Yeah. Pretty excited about yeah, I think that's great. I also want to kind of put a uh, plug out there for if you are if you are administrator or if you work with administrators, any kind of like leadership role, but you know that there are people who might struggle to get to the meetings, please let us know, invite them to that Facebook group because I know I've had conversations with administrators where their buildings open right when our meetings are and it's just tricky yep. time. So being a part of the Facebook group lets you be a part of the conversation even when you can't physically be at the meetings. So please, we really want this community to be a place where you can go for resources, have great conversation, but stay connected. So if this is benefiting you, but you, you know there's other people who could benefit from, please let us know, invite them, because um, the more the merrier. We'd love to kind of expand this administrator family for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's such a great point, because I mean, that's essentially why we do these recaps, just because yeah. folks can't make the meetings and get pulled away. And we know admin life is just insane. So we're here yeah. to support in any way possible. We're trying to continue to build out so that we have this community. And we just appreciate each one of you for the work that you do every single day with your students, your community and your teachers. And uh, we want to continue to support you. So if you have any questions, if you have any needs, please reach out to Katie and I, as we are here for you every single day, Katie. Thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful recap. And I cannot wait to see what costume you have next week. We'll see.